Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, Throttle Timepieces, Get Shit Done Coffee, Reverend Motors, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, as well as Guts Racing Inc. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all of these podcasts. And if you're joining us on YouTube with Greg Hitchko, really appreciate it as well. With us on the line, as previously mentioned, Greg Hitchko. Greg, welcome back to the show. Second time offender. Um, the first time we talked, um, we mentioned that possibly I could come back for a second time. And here we are and couldn't be more stoked to chat to you about the first round of motocross and some other stuff that's going on. Absolutely, man. Like After that first time we had you on the show, you absolutely had to be a repeat offender. And as we'll sort of allude to uh, as we move on for this, I think it's going to have to be a whole lot more frequent than that. Uh, the chemistry is just too damn good. It's like basically like Eli Tomac and a, and a star racing Yamaha uh, getting together. Really looking forward to chatting with you about the uh, of this series, man. Um, and it's, yeah, like th- this getting together and, and chatting about Supercross, two peas in a pod, two guys that grew up in very similar era um and you're super knowledgeable about this stuff man you're a diehard fan like i am um like we're we're run one round into this thing uh there's a lot of very consistent results uh we're gonna kick things off by talking about the 450s uh we're gonna uh, talk about the 250s after the commercial break or you i think you're gonna actually release that as a separate youtube video so people can look out for that um Mm -hmm. but uh we need to crack this thing off with the premiere class man and uh like would have loved to say that the uh, the defending champ was in the building, but he wasn't. Dylan Ferrandis unable to to uh, defend his title. Before we get into the results, let's talk about uh, some guys that uh, just weren't there. Yeah, I was really bummed to find out that Ferrandis wasn't going to be on the starting line, um, just because you want to have all the guys in the series because it just makes it more interesting as a fan. I think there was an interview uh, with Ferrandis. As talking about how what he thought about Caroli coming over from overseas, and he's like, oh, I think it's really cool. Um, but as as a rider and a contender in this series, it's it's more competition for me. So as a rider, I can see how you know that sucks. Not well, it's, it's actually better for a rider to not have Frandis in the series. But as a fan, it's, it sucks not to have him there because you want to see him up there battling for wins um, against Sexton, Roxon, Tomac himself. Caroli, Dungy now. Jeez, we got them all. 
Yeah, no, it, it, we've got uh, talent being injected into the series. We also guys got some obviously some guys missing as well as Malcolm Stewart. I was kind of bummed to, to see that he was he wasn't going to race the series either. Um, not that I thought that that Malcolm was just going to like come out with a, like a house on fire and, and rip off moto wins, uh, but just to, like he's got a cool riding style. And as much as I love to see him race Supercross, like. Watching him race outdoors gives you that little hint of what James used to bring. Uh, not mm-hmm. to, I, I always like. He, I'm sure people love how he just compare him to his brother all the time. But there's just there's similarities in riding style, like the way they do the crouch and the way they power through corners and stuff like that. It's very reminiscent of uh, of his older brother, of course, James Stewart. But uh, another guy that's missing in the series, which uh, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, we 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 move on without those two guys. Yeah, I would have loved to see Malcolm out there, too, just because he hasn't raced outdoors in so long. I wish I had the stat on it, but it's, I don't know, it's probably about six years, like Dungey or something like that. At least, yeah. Yeah, but... um, I think the last time he raced outdoors would have been on a a TLD Honda. Honda, so Which that's was maybe a while. 2015 or something like I that. Think so. I think they I don't know, somewhere around there. After that, yeah. But yeah, motocross and supercross just needs a steward out there. And with James's departure from the sport, I think we were all left wanting more, you yep. know. And um, Malcolm has is there to fill that void. And who doesn't like Malcolm? I mean, you saw the last round of supercross where. <laughs> The crowd just erupted for him after he was after he got taken out by Barsha and all the boos that that the Salt Lake crowd gave Barsha. It was it was chilling to say the least. It was cool to see how much support that guy has. Oh, there's very few guys that uh, that garner a reaction from the crowd the same way uh, that uh, Malcolm Stewart is. He's a uh, he's a loss to the series. I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be doing some fishing during the summer. Uh, but that did provide a uh, a ride for none other than Shane McElrath to uh, land on his feet uh, after the RMATV MC KTM team uh, essentially had to fold up. They're now BBMX. Uh, which we can get taught. We'll talk about a little bit before we get off to the two fifties, but uh, yeah, uh, like um, one guy leaves in Stewart and, uh, and we get, um, we, we get Shane McElrath. It was cool to see him up there um, and replace Malcolm and, and Dean Wilson too. I, I think Dean would have been more around that, that 10, that 15 to 10 place mark. If I'm, if I'm honest. And then Malcolm, I saw the 10 to five range and Shane coming out there with the minimal amount of time that he had on that new FC 450 to go 11-7 moto scores and, and to be up there on the start, like great on Husqvarna for picking him up, you know? Yeah, I think Shane, and he hasn't always been an outdoor uh, specialist. I think he has one... Uh, one 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 performance. I think he has two national wins in the 250s to his credit. Uh, but uh, he hasn't always he hasn't shown the same amount of dominance as he has uh, indoors. But um, yeah, good to see him do well. Um, and he's he's a uh, he's a guy that I just cheer for because he's such a nice guy. Um, just always super pleasant to be around the track, even if things aren't aren't going exactly his way. Uh, so yeah, big props to a guy like Shane McElrath. But We've gotten way too far into this without talking about the guy who went 1-1 on the day. Um, I want to talk about Chase Sexton here. The guy is an absolute stud. Uh, he goes, like, he's got speed, he's got style, and let's be honest, the Hondas were just looking way too good all weekend. They had the retro look with the retro gear. Uh, I love the 80s style. Um, like, mm-hmm. 
it yeah they 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 I think they were marketing specifically to me uh like it was like uh, and I really do appreciate that like you know, like uh when you're in your 30s you you look around a lot of times and you're like I just don't feel like anything's for me anymore cuz everything's for the younger generation <laughs> but when it comes to when it when when Honda does a 50 year throwback uh to a bike and a look from uh from the 80s a few couple of years before we, uh, you and I uh started ripping up bikes um I it, that just warms my heart and uh on top of that the guy was going pretty fast too Man, what a better start to the series for Honda. Uh, we're talking about the 450 class going 1-2. Yeah. But I'm going to give you my initial thoughts on Sexton. I think it was like five minutes into the first moto, and I'm like, dang, he is a title contender for sure. And he's a title contender if he can keep it together and keep it on two wheels. I feel like that is going to be my theme for this podcast and the entire series if the name of the game is to keep it on two wheels and you just, you just got to do that in order to win the series. Yep. And he's been known to uh, fly over the bars more than, more than once in his short 450 career. And I honestly, I was like, man, I'm pumped for him to be up there at the start. I just want to see him finish it off. And I didn't think that he was going to do it. And he proved me wrong more than once. Um, watching that moto. He, that was an impressive performance by him. It was honestly like uh, one one performance. Obviously, he goes well at Paula. He'd won that national before, um, and that's friendly confines for a lot of guys who call mm -hmm. uh, like do a lot of training and riding in Southern California. Uh, but the starts were there, the speed was there. Uh, he was able to go uh, fastest in I believe both sessions and win uh, the both motos. A perfect day on a 450, and uh, hot on his tail was um, uh, his teammate Ken Roxon. The the the, the 94 was dialed in. Uh, I don't know if, like, he, it doesn't see, seem like he had, he was Ken at his absolute peak powers. We know he's always fast at the beginning of series, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just, like, the, the two Honda guys were just, like, it was those guys, a whole lot, like, the, a big distance, and then everybody else uh, rounding out with Christian Craig on the podium. But, uh, yeah, like, what were, you, what were you thinking when it, uh, when, when Ken Roxon, unsurprisingly at all, just comes out and, uh, and rips it off? <laughs> uh, he comes around that first corner and I'm like oh of course it's Ken Roxon of course Ken Roxon is going to get the whole shot and lead this series off right at the start because that's just what Ken Roxon does he is a pistol when it comes to the starts and the start of the season so I had it was really no surprise to me that he was up there but what remains of him for the rest of the season is still a huge question mark. I mean, he is from his latest Instagram post is definitely fired up dropping F bombs. And mm. he, he's got something to prove to all the fans that don't think he can win anymore. And I mean, the dude's a champion in the 450 class. And I think a lot of people might've written him off after his gnarly arm industry. It, it, uh, in injuries wow i couldn't get that out <laughs> um, but he hasn't really done anything outdoors since and last year kind of the same thing started strong and faded supercross starts strong faded and i just want to see him there at battling at the very last moto of the series potentially for the championship 100 and we've seen it before like the guy has yeah. two of these championships to his credit we, like he mm -hmm. has done it before before switching over to Honda HRC where he's currently at uh, he was your defending uh, 
outdoor champion. He still doesn't have a Supercross championship to his credit, but he's got two outdoor championships. Um, so the, the two Honda guys who couldn't have started off the season better are also two of the biggest question marks. Can, can Chase Sexton keep it on two wheels and consistently be at the front despite we know he's going to have speed every single weekend? And can, this, can Ken Roxon be as fast, dominant, and fit all the way through the year. I like I he's not doesn't he's not a guy who has those big crashes. Obviously the, it was a big crash that got him that that massive injury, but that's kind of like almost like an outlier in all of the sort of memories we have of Ken Roxon is that like he's had that one massive crash and then ever since then like just some uh, some odd fading and just like some crashes that he like he just not able to come back from or just like just some weird off days, especially outdoors when things get hot. So yeah, not surprised whatsoever that Ken is able to be fast at the beginning of the series. When things come over around to Millville, when it's round six or seven, and it's hot as balls in the middle of July, uh, then then we're gonna find out uh, if if Ken Roxon is uh, sort of uh, um, still proving all the doubters wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, like that's yet to be seen. That's the beauty of this series is going to keep rolling and we're going to keep doing these reviews after each one of them. Uh, a couple of guys that we have to talk about before we throw it over to the two fifties, um, Christian Craig getting his very first, uh, podium overall with a three, three performance, making the races uh, nice and boring with a one, one, two, two, and a three, three <laughs> for the podiums. Um, and, uh, and an okay day from from uh, from Eli Tomac, uh, a couple of teammates on the Yamaha team. You, if if you had to to pull a hundred people of who would beat who uh, at the first round, I don't think there's too many people who would have said Craig uh, Craig would be that guy. No, and he looked really good. So I mean, we we knew that Christian Craig was going to do good on the 450 because he's a really he rides that 450 really well. Like we think he rides the 250 well. He rides that 450. Almost even better, almost. And I kind of pegged Craig to be that that fifth place guy, to, if I'm honest. And okay. I, he he surpassed that. I mean, when he passed Tomac, Dungey, um, he was just up there. Yeah, from Anderson the start. wasn't able to get him on the first moto. Yeah, I mean, his starts were great. I'm looking at the uh, you know the stat sheet. He started fifth and fourth in both motos and moved up to third both times. And um, Craig's on a roll right now and it's it's really cool to see um we all know his history um and for him to win that supercross championship just a few weeks ago to kick off this outdoor series with a 3-3 finish especially at his hometown race um at Paula there it's it's cool to see and I'm pumped for him yeah it absolutely is and uh, if that's any uh, sign of what's to come for the series uh, guys like Eli Tomac, Jason Anderson, uh, and Ryan Dungey, even uh, the likes of uh, Aaron Plessinger, which for all intents and purposes, I think there's a lot of people who think that Aaron Plessinger uh, on a 450 should be uh, maybe a tick faster than a guy like Craig based on his pedigree, a couple of championships, uh, both mm-hmm. indoors and out uh, on a 250. Um that uh, those guys should be just ahead of him, and he proved otherwise. So I, I think uh, like solid, uh, solid for him, and, and and good things to come. Uh, a couple yeah. of guys, also um, guys. One, oh, go one more thing. One more thing on Craig is yeah. his uh, his ability to hold off Anderson's late first moto charge for that podium position. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anderson was on fire trying to hunt down Craig there, and. Mentally, Craig knows that he is a contender now, that he's moved permanently up to the 450 class. 
And he proved that by holding Anderson off there late in that moto. So that was impressive by him. Absolutely, he did. And uh, yeah, hats off to the guy. I think this is uh, the sign of a really, really solid summer coming forward for Christian mm-hmm. Craig. Because like, of, of all things, like he might do some crashing in Supercross just because I think he's always on the edge so much. But I don't see that a lot outdoors. Like you don't see, like I, I don't have a, like uh, uh, a list a mile long of Christian Craig massive outdoor get offs. He's just like he just hasn't had like holy crap rides, but he's he's had some he's he's consistent, he's fast. Uh kind of reminds me of another guy who's consistent and fast, comes back after six years removed. Ryan Dungey, five five on the day, uncharacteristic as far as a guy who's never actually finished outside the top ten in a four fifty outdoor. Uh but after six years removed out of Bell Plain, Minnesota uh, Ryan Dungey was as much of a diesel as he's always been, and uh, he even he even outdueled his KTM counterparts in uh, in Cairoli and Plessinger. So good on Dunge. <laughs> Another guy I'm really pumped for. I mean, I'm rooting for this guy 100% for the remainder of the season. And I mean, I I wasn't the biggest Dungey fan during his career. Um, just because I was, uh, you know, a bigger Chad Reed guy, and always wanted to see Reed win whenever he was racing, um, and and Stewart as well. I just think I just thought Dungey was almost like a robot, super vanilla, um, and like you said, he's just that diesel. He's just a solid guy, right? And you know, he's always going to be there. And you just with with those guys, it's good on them. But you you always want other people to beat them if you're a fan and make it interesting and but now that he's taken this time off the six years and has come back man how awesome is it to see the number five back out there i'm stoked for him and it's really cool to watch he's so smooth i love his style and if i could be like that more like that when i'm riding my dirt bike i couldn't complain it's like he never left and it, it, it really is amazing to see. Um, yeah, like he's like there's nothing there's nothing sexy about Ryan Dungey. I'm sure his wife would disagree, but he's just he like he is he's he's uh, um, he's vanilla ice cream. He's 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 cheese pizza, but cheese pizza gets the job done, man. Uh, yeah, like, go, just going out there, speed. Uh, the the bike looks you know like it's it's a completely different model, different plastics, different the whole thing, but it just looks. It's just Dungey, and like it's same riding style, uh, like a little bit different on the helmet. Uh, he, he's he's in the modern helmet from uh, um, from Fox, and if you, actually if you remember his last season, they already had the new helmet out, but he like refused to wear it because it was just like a lot different than what he was already mm. just accustomed to. Because at that time, uh, Ken was already wearing the different helmet. Great um, fun fact. Yeah, fun. I, I'm all about the details, but yeah. Uh, yeah, good to see Dunge back. I think I think he's gonna have better days than a five five, but. To, if you want to start that thing, start things off with a five-five. That's uh, nothing to shake a stick at. Um, and uh, last guy I want to talk about before we switch it over to the two fifties. Actually, I got another question for you after that. But um, uh, Antonio Caroli, the two-two-two, like uh, like not as much flash as I think people were hoping to see. But I think it's just at the very least a cool opportunity for North American fans to see a guy that they've maybe only seen race two or three times in the few times he's come over to here to either race. Uh, M- um, MXGPs or in uh, in in the couple times he's been here for more across the nations. The guy knows how to ride a motorcycle, right? I mean, you're you're not a nine-time MXGP champion not knowing how to get the job done. And as a US fan, seeing him come over and race these at least first two races of the series, 
it, it couldn't be any cooler. I mean, I would have loved to have been there at Pala or even Hangtown just to see him because who knows how many more races he'll actually do. I think we all know that Dungey is going to race the rest of the series. That's a, if, For Dungey, I think that's a no-brainer for him. But Caroli's kind of on his retirement tour, quote-unquote. Um, you know, has come out and said his fitness isn't where it needs to be. He hasn't been training. He's only been testing the new bike for KTM. Whether that's a cover-up or not, um, you know, you, you also don't go, you don't finish sixth place at the in, in Moto2 um, of an AMA Pro Motocross National if you're not up to par or up to speed. I'm sure he's not where he wants to be, obviously, um, but he, he's got in the entire rest of the world kind of on his shoulders. You know, it's, it's kind of like when an American rider goes over to the GPs the entire United States is rooting for that guy. So you know that everybody over in Europe and the rest of the world is rooting for Antonio Caroli to do really well over here. And I think the American fans want to see him more. And I know for for sure as hell that all those European fans want to see him more. For sure. Like he's almost like uh, uh, he's almost the world's rider where versus yeah. uh, like I'm, I'm sure there's still some people who over in Germany are still diehard uh, Ken Roxon fans. But he's been here so long. He's almost Americanized. He's uh, almost at this American. Point. Yeah. He, he, like he's he's uh, almost as American as apple pie at this point, uh, despite the altered uh, accent that it's just actually it's almost funny. Like him and Dino, like almost like it sound like they're trying to hold on to the accent that they no longer should have, but Dino more than Ken. Oh yeah, like especially because <laughs> he Ken, plays like, it up. D- Dino sounds different. Like he sounds more Scottish than when he was like 16, which makes no sense. <laughs> like, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, so that's the two fifth. That's the four fifties. Plus we had a solid oh, day. I did want to say yeah. uh, about Caroli. He yep. he to me he did not look comfortable on that motorcycle. Oh no! Um, yeah. Either moto that I, I mean I was watching that bike and it did not look balanced at all. That rear end was so skittish on him, like it was every little bump. It was just jarring out and bouncing left, bouncing right, up, down. I mean he he it looked he barely kept that bike between his legs. So for him to ride that bike in that that state and still pull off a a seventh overall good on him he i saw an interview afterwards with him saying that from vital saying that the bike in in europe the frame's a lot stiffer so i don't know if he was trying to compensate this the softer frame the plusher frame here in the states with stiffer suspension but whatever he did was not working so i'm hoping he and ktm can kind of figure that out and get it figured out for this uh, next round of hangtown yeah, and like if, like rigidity is something that if you're like, and that makes sense as to why he might have had some some arm pump this weekend. If you're dealing with a bike that's like flexing too much on you, and you feel like you're you're just fighting it everywhere you go, like you're gonna use so much more extra energy, or at least be perceived to be doing so when you're just you're you're not feeling as stable underneath you. It's no different than like running in sand versus running on pavement. It's just like there's so mm-hmm. much more movement going on that's necessary to to be able to continue moving forward. And that's why, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, anyone who uh, does a lot of running in sand just has massive, uh, massive uh, calves. calves. <laughs> um, but before we switch things over to the 250s, I wanted to ask you what you got going on on the YouTube channel, man. I know you, you're putting out cool content all the time. Uh, people are probably watching this on your YouTube channel right now. Uh, what, could, what do they have to look forward to? 
Yeah, so uh, over the weekend, actually, on Saturday, I just dropped what I call the Throwback Two-Stroke Garage Build Shootout Part 2. Um, when I say Part 2, we've already done a Part 1 shootout video. And long story short, I basically found all four of the last Japanese um, last-generation models, YZ, RM, KX, and CR250s. I tried to find the cheapest and crappiest bikes, whether it be on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, tore them down to the frame, every single piece of the motor, suspension, rebuilt them back up to uh, do uh, like a shootout format video. So I basically, the 2005 Supercross season was iconic and one of my favorites. So I took a, I rebuilt the YZ as a Chad Reed bike, the Suzuki as Ricky Carmichael, Kawasaki as James Stewart, and then the Honda as Jeremy McGrath, uh, just because he's the king. Uh, even though he wasn't that relevant during the 05, 06 season, it was still cool to see him out there. Um, and basically took this throwback theme of the 252 strokes and kind of worked it into this magazine style shootout. So if anybody is in the market to get out of the four stroke scene and kind of back into the 252 stroke scene, we broke all these bikes down for you guys and uh, did a shootout video like you would see on Swap Moto, Vital, Racer X, and uh, had a couple pro riders. I, I actually had a uh, pro rider was Hayden Roberts um, out of local out of Utah. And then I had an ex uh, vet pro, Chris Papworth. So he actually raced Supercross and Motocross in the late 90s, early 2000s. So he, he raced these bikes, which is really cool. So he had a lot of knowledge on them. And, um, just kind of like that insider knowledge, so to speak. And then you had me who is a vet rider to kind of accommodate to, we just accommodate to all levels of riding. And I just dropped the part two video on my YouTube channel and, um, really proud of it. And it, it came out really good and I hope you guys like it. So that was a, it was a fun project to do about a year and a half. It took me about a year and a half to strip the bikes down, rebuild them. We had a baby um, during that time too. So Congrats. a little bit, well, thank you. A little bit more delayed than I wanted to be, but Hey man, when um, you got a little baby boy, he, he takes precedence over the dirt bikes. So it's been, uh, it's been a wild journey, but it's been fun. Absolutely, man. There is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to, to make content and, and, uh, continue to be dedicated to that. But, uh, parenting there, there's nothing quite like that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the absolute pinnacle. Good on you. Uh, hopefully people check out that video, uh, right after this one, or if they're listening to the podcast, they'll finish listening to the podcast and scoot on over to, uh, to YouTube, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you can get after it and watch as much, uh, Greg Hitchco videos as humanly possible. It's great content. <laughs> excited about it um so greg i really appreciate uh, the time talking about uh two four fifties we were going to make that about 10 minute conversation that turned into 25 minutes so we all, all we good terrible at, we, uh, even, we didn't even talk about tomac i know we didn't talk about but the, we're going to talk about him next weekend when, he, when he's going a whole lot faster <laughs> exactly um, like the, the former former champ uh, has, uh he, he he knows he, he needs he's got some work to do uh totally. but let's let's throw it to commercial break right now and when we come back we're going to talk 250s ladies and gentlemen quick little ad read for you right off the cuff here if you haven't already gone to gutsracing.com go check out their inventory they have some of the most amazing seat covers all the 
fabrics and the colors that you're looking for. They, they last, they grip, and uh, you're going to be happy with the product that you get from Andy Gregg over at Guts Racing Inc. Those guys are absolutely amazing. Uh, go check them out. Go to the website, cruise around. They have awesome customer service and uh, support a uh, company that really support the sport. Uh, Andy Gregg is a salty of the earth kind of people who uh, I always have time for and uh, he's always been so good to me. So uh, support a guy like Andy Gregg and Guts Racing. Thanks for listening. And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast. Or you're watching this on Greg Hitchko's YouTube channel, which would be awesome if you are. Brand new video for you. We're talking 250s here from uh, Fox Raceway. We're hitting this track twice this year. So you're going to get two reviews of Fox Raceway. uh, One at the beginning of the series and one at the very end. Fox Raceway bookends this this series. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. This podcast is brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, as well as Phoenix Handlebars and Guts Racing Inc. Thanks to Andy Gregg over there for supplying that, as well as uh, um, we have Greg Hitchko on here again because it's on his YouTube channel. Greg, how's it going? Awesome to be a repeat offender again, and uh, let's keep it rolling, baby. I'm doing good. Love being able to chat moto with you. I feel like um, we're just at a in the backyard having a couple uh, brewskis talking about motocross and everything we love about it. Absolutely, dude. And what I love is I, like, I've always been a sucker for what I would consider to still be the 125 class, the introductory class. There's so much rawness to this class. It, it like I love the sound of a, a, a KX125 or a YZ125 or uh, even the RMs back in the day. They like the they came stock so poorly jetted, but once they got them running good, like it was uh, uh, it just it was amazing to see. Uh, and the 250s were the way they bang and crash off the rev limiter is still a, a spectacle to see um love the 250 class that's what we're talking about right here and i think unfortunately all summer long it's going to be the lawrence show and jet lawrence hunter lawrence like we said right off the hop with uh, uh with the 450s the hondas were looking good out of uh queensland australia these two boys were uh were absolutely kitted out had that 80s look on the hondas and uh you tell me what you saw man i just saw pure dominance from a couple of brothers who are hitting their stride on the 250s man as you passed it over to me i've got some serious goosebumps on my arms because they absolutely crushed it um you know i you expected out of jet right at this point um just how mature he is for his age i think he's 18 right if i'm not mistaken right um, after coming off winning the championship by six points against Justin Cooper last year, um, and then the Supercross championship, you know this kid just has the most confidence in the world, and you know that every he knows that every single fan out there of the 250 class is rooting for him. Um, it's just he's a spectacle in the sport, and I almost I almost wanted to ask the question to you. 24-0, but I didn't want to bring it up. I brought it up. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but dang, if he rides like that, it's it's going to be... There's no reason why he wouldn't be able to do it. But I don't think it's it, going to happen. If the his, starts because, are there, he's the only guy that has a chance for it. Totally. Yeah. Yep. But like, if he gets a bad start, Hunter is going to take it right away from him. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like the... 
the thing is, is that like there's, they might be like the absolute tip of the spear when it comes to speed in the 250 class, but there's this next tier that is absolute murderer's row of guys who are almost there, but not quite like on their days. And they're going to fight like hell for it. RJ Hampshire, like if, if jet gets a bad start, like rue the day that he comes across uh, RJ Hampshire mid moto and RJ just gets his hair up and, and wants to saw off uh, jets front wheel um, for sixth place or whatever it is. Joe Shimoda, you know, he never gives it up easy. Um, like, it just he just never has he's it's not within him uh and as he as he gets more proficient i feel like he fights harder and harder uh michael mosman same idea austin forkner if we had this conversation six years ago we would have been talking about a, a, an austin forkner for all intents and purposes was like the the next coming of like an adam c and cerullo type or something along those lines like he was he was he has that pedigree uh and then oh you also have uh this last weekend's fastest qualifier in in seth hammaker who has only raced about four or five uh nationals ever and just continues to bring speed so if, if for, for some reason jet uh jet lawrence doesn't get an amazing start uh it's not going to be easy for him to just rip through the pack a la uh james stewart second or yeah second moto uh buds creek in 03 where he just went from <laughs> last to first adjust his goggles and just see you later ended up with a 25 second lead by the end of it you're not going to see those races from jet but as far as just execution riding a taller gear uh and, and just being like having that next level skill above everybody else, I think he's totally got it. Um, like, yeah, like like you said, if there's anyone in this field who can go 24-0, it's Jet. But uh, if like if for some reason he ends up coming around the first corner in 13th, I just I can't see him being able to do it. No, I mean he he came around the first corner second place in both motos, so he didn't have to work too hard to uh, take the first place spot. What, what, you know who was pr- impressive was Nick Romano, Romano on that yes. second moto. I mean, he, he held Jet off for about five minutes uh, of that moto. And for being literally his, his first outdoor race, I, got, I had a, my wife and I were watching the moto. And um, this is a quote from her. And she's like, amateurs are not amateur. <laughs> I was like, no. I, need to inc- I need to include that in this podcast because, yes, the quote-unquote, they are amateurs and they're, they still race amateur. But you could take any one of those amateur kids, let's say Chance Hymas. You could throw Chance Hymas in there right now and he would easily get top 10, I bet. Um, and kind of the same thing with Nick Romano. First race, comes out swinging. Um, he obviously did fade. But to be able to to hold that pace for five minutes against Jet Lawrence at the at the start of the second moto, man, amateurs are not amateur anymore. Absolutely, no. They've got they've got all kinds of speed. I, I'm really stoked to see these guys continue to make strides. Uh, Romano's racing the entire series. LeBlanc is only racing the first two, and then he's going to race the he's going to race um, Loretta's, I believe. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's all. That that's a a, a good approach. Uh, like um, uh, LeBlanc ends up 
I just Where saw. Where was he? He 20th overall. 20th overall. So seven, uh, 2017 on the day. Obviously, like he is a little bit more amateurish. But yeah, when you're leading laps, there's nothing amateur about that. Like um, these kids come out, they are pro ready. Uh, yeah, he might have uh, kind of uh, faded like a cheap suit a little mm. bit, but uh, yeah. Uh, signs of better things to come for Nick Romano. I think by the end of the uh, end of the season, he's giving Levi Kitchen, Pierce Brown, uh, even guys like Forkner and Mosman maybe a little bit of a run. And I think that'd be cool to see. Like, uh, there's there's so much talent in through the middle of this class. Like I said earlier, it, it's just like there's this like thick nucleus of you have like a ton of guys from Star, uh, Max Volans in the mix, Styles Robertson's in the mix. Like Pierce Brown, Levi Kitchen. Um, We're almost so, forgetting about Justin Cooper because he finished yeah, 12th. Exactly. Like like he just a kind of a miserable day as far as probably what he wanted to do after a really long hiatus yeah. off uh, of racing. Uh, he gets together with uh, Hamaker in the first moto, uh, which he comes back to an 11th. And then I didn't see what his issue was in the third in the second moto. He ends up 13th. Uh, he got a really bad start. Just a bad start. Yeah, yeah, but uh, didn't really work his way up too much. Like you said, he it looks like he came around the first corner in nineteenth, ended up thirteenth. But yeah, I mean, for for not racing in so long, missing the entire Supercross season because of that devastating ankle injury. I mean, by the sounds of it, he went through hell and back yeah. to get that thing healed up, and for him to even be on the motorcycle that quick, you know, like six months, and to be racing at this level it was awesome to see him up there i mean were we surprised to see justin cooper come around the first turn of that first moto and first no because that's just what justin cooper does um and he held off for as long as possible but you could just tell whether it was his ankle acting up or his just general fit race fitness um on the bike um he's got some work to do for sure to uh, get up there to those lawrence brothers Hundred percent. You as well as I know. If you're, if you like, you can ride as many practice laps as you want. You can do some sprints. You can do, you can like race with the other guys in at the star compound and stuff like that, and and all that fun stuff, and and do some practice laps at, at Paula, this that and the other thing. Uh, but when you strap it on for real, and it's um like, and the bullets are live, uh, I think you're 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 you don't really know what you got until that gate actually does drop. Like that's certainly how I feel about it when I'm racing. Like I can feel like a million bucks uh, racing at a uh, like, or practicing at a local track, and then try and race that same track. It's a completely different ball game. Yeah. Um, like the funny thing is, one of the things I'm noticing when you look at the the results here, uh, the 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 picture of consistency that is the two Lawrence brothers, one one and a two two, and the only other two guys that are in the top. 20 that have mirrored scores are uh, Forkner, Pierce Brown, and uh, Dylan Walsh with an 1818. Uh, so everybody else is a whole lot less consistent than those guys, and <laughs> they're getting the best results. So, um, like with a 12th overall, like that's by no means does that derail a season, but like Justin Cooper is already playing catch up, and we're one round into a series. Like uh, that's that that's not good news if you're a fan of like. Uh, racing right down to the last uh, the last moto. Yeah, I mean, if you're you're Justin Cooper, you got 12th position, only sitting with 18 points compared to Jet's 50. When it looks like Jet is just going to rack up those 50, I don't know how many of those 50 point days Jet's just going to rack up. 
So you dug yourself a, a really big hole. And I, I, the rest of the field, too. I mean, he's, he is, he's got a target on his back now, and he knows it, but he knows he can go out there and perform. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, it'll be interesting to see if Jet does get a bad start because he's not always known for getting the best starts. So, And he, as good as he looked in these two motos, he's also known to have a couple brain farts, a couple hiccups out there and go down. And it happened in Supercross a couple times. Um, he's still obviously able to pull it off, but it'll be, see, it'll be interesting to see how he rides with a little bit of adversity. True, true. So I, I think you hit the nail on the head on that one. Uh, I was surprised to see um, Joe Shimoda be the sort of front runner for um, for the PC team. He goes three four on uh, four three on the day. Um, I expected, especially with how well it w- finished off Supercross for him, that that Austin Forkner was going to be a little bit better than six six. Um, and after qualifying top top spot i actually thought that uh, um, seth hammaker had the had, had a, like maybe the best chance of any of them to be mm-hmm. the the top pc guy um don't don't even really want to bring up the uh, uh a dns dns day for cameron mcadoo like get well soon buddy uh yeah, but that just that is like the the hits just keep coming for that kid is absolutely feel for him he's got bleeding lungs for uh uh for gosh sake um broken sternum yeah, and bleeding long. <laughs> yeah, bleeding long. Like just like this is like I think that's the second time in three years that he's got like he's he's a like he had a punctured lung in 2018 and now he's got uh, um he's got this situation. Man, uh, it was just one of the, another one of those kids where you know you just yeah. feel for him and kind of like can't get I, right. I, I, like I, him I, and I, him and Har Hampshire. Like, yep, I mentioned this in the 450 uh, discussion that we just had. The theme of um, my theme for this entire season is just keeping it on two wheels. And it's just been heartbreaking to see McAdoo hit the ground so many times, whether it's been motocross and or supercross. Um, you just want to see that kid do good. You know, he's such he's got such a good heart. He, um, he he's just got a face for moto, you know, mm-hmm. um, and doesn't take it doesn't take it for granted. Um which is cool, which I which I really like. Um, same thing with RJ too. Uh, another guy that you just expect to hit the ground. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but it's mm-hmm. like yeah, you're totally right. Watching the races, whether it's Supercross and or motocross, you're just like, oh, RJ's on the ground again, and uh, Moseman's another guy. Oh, he's on the ground again. Um, so if these if these guys can just keep it on two wheels, um, it just it just crushes me every time they fall, and if they kind of like Sexton in his in his interview was like if you just if he just backs it they just back it down to ninety five percent instead of that one hundred percent, how much better off would they be? But we're all racers. It's tough to back it down. And when you're feeling good, you're feeling good. And you know, when these guys are feeling good and riding to their max potential, it just so happens that more weird stuff happens to them and they go down and it uh, negative negatively affects them obviously that it does uh and it is so tough to get the momentum when you're always coming back from injuries and stuff like that so i ask you this like team like the pro circuit kawasaki team uh they're like they haven't enjoyed the same success that they once had throughout the late 90s early 2000 like throughout the entire 2000s and even the early 2010s what we um, grow up in 
exactly like just basically like uh the reason why i have uh i'm looking i'm turning around and i see a carmichael number one when he was allowed to wear fox for the only year that him and only only him and uh michael pichon are the only two guys that mitch payton ever wear let, let wear a different gear than the the rest of the team <laughs> wore uh in 2000 in 1999 and then also a um uh, Mike, uh, Mike Brown jersey, uh, number one hundred from the uh, the year two thousand and one. Those oh, are both, one, yeah, yeah. Those are both uh, crown jewels of my collection. Um, Jealous. but yeah, totally, totally. Um, but in, in all in all seriousness, uh, who do you see being like the leader on that team going out? I I don't obviously I think that uh, um, McAdoo's going to be out for a while here. Seth showed mm-hmm. crazy speed, but didn't show the consistency during the motos. I think the most amount of potential possibly could become with uh, from Austin Forkner, but lately he hasn't shown it. Who 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 leads um, Team PC for the rest of the summer? I'm gonna go with the boring answer, and it's the guy that uh, finished third place on the podium, and it's Joe Shimoda. I mean, he's he's just that quiet, consistent guy, and who doesn't love Joe? To be honest. And um, Austin Forkner just had a really quiet day. I don't even think he got any TV time, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And 6-6, I mean, not terrible moto scores, but uh, I just think since Austin Forkner was at the top of his game a few years back, he, he just hasn't been able to quite eclipse that just because of, of all the industry in, injuries. Man, I am struggling with that word <laughs> right now. All these industries uh, he's had. Industries, yeah, the injuries, and um, I think there's a lot of pressure on him from Mitch, and I think Austin really wanted to move up to the 450 class, and he's still in the 250 class, and he's just got a lot to prove to people in the industry, and um, when you put that much pressure on yourself, you just don't, you don't have as much fun, and in result, you just don't ride to your full potential, and I think that's Austin Forkner right now. It's uh, you want to see him up there, and you know he has the potential to race against the Lawrence brothers, and you would think that he would be the top PC guy, but um, steady Joe Schmo, you know, he's uh, Mr. Consistent up there, and he, I think he's kind of calmed down from Supercross a little bit, um, especially getting that third place finish to start off the season. I think that gives him a lot of confidence, knowing that he can be up there. And almost holding off Hunter late in that second moto, I was hoping he was going to, um, even though it wouldn't affected the final results. I just wanted Joe to just hold on, hold off Hunter. But um, I think Joe's going to be the top PC guy. Fair enough, man. Well, he proved it on the first week, uh, first weekend of the series, uh, and we'll, we'll see what's uh, yet to come. We are going to be breaking down every single round, 250s and 450s, uh, after each round. 15 20 minutes on each class we went a little bit long on this one hopefully people enjoyed that um but definitely the looking round, so there's a bunch to talk about yeah there really is and I, we didn't even really get a chance to to dissect uh levi kitchen or uh styles robertson or a sophomore performance from a guy like uh, uh max volan uh or nate thrasher but yeah, like it's it, this, these are going to be quick and dirty, um, and we're going to do a, better, a much better job of being able to sort of uh, uh, wrap these things up and maybe hit some more points uh, in the in the weeks that come. But really looking forward to to welcoming you onto the podcast as well as uh, thanking you for giving me a place to speak on uh, on the YouTube channel, man. Uh, shout out to everybody out there in YouTube land. 
Yeah, man. Um, like I said at the start of the podcast, um, just two dudes uh, at the back campfire sipping some brewskis. And uh, we love talking about this stuff. And the more moto that we can bring to the people out there in podcast land and, and YouTube land, the better. Because I'm that, I'm that guy who wants to see all of it. I'm that guy who wants to hear all of it. So it's uh, cool to be a part of something like this, Brad. Absolutely, my friend. Uh, I can't can't thank you enough for uh, letting me come into your backyard, uh, supplying the brewskis. I didn't even have to bring nothing. Some old bats. Uh, I'm a bad guy, you know, Canada. 100%, 100%. (laughs) But last question I have for you before I let you go. Uh, This is going to be available on YouTube. I know you got a ton of great videos on YouTube that are always available, uh, a great archive of stuff. But my one last question for you, But what is one video that you've released over the years that to this day still gets a ton of views people need to go watch that i haven't seen it already um it's actually a video i made about um when i first started the throwback two-stroke garage build shootout i kind of went through all the bikes and um dissected the each one of the like the the honda the suzuki and the yamaha like the last generation models you know i broke down the honda from 02 to 07 for example and the title of the video is um Honda's worst two-stroke ever or something like that mm. um, on on their 02 to 07, you know, this last-gen CR250. Yeah. And, uh, man, I still get a ton of people watching that video, a ton of people commenting on it. I did ask the question, what was your first bike um, in the video? So I got a ton of comments, people replying to that question, and it's just really cool to see. You know, my first bike was an 01 XR 100 when I was 11 years old, you know, you and I are big hockey players, Brad. So grew up playing hockey and, um, you know, loved moto. We had four wheelers growing up, but yep. didn't get a dirt bike until I was 11. And Same here. Uh, that pretty much, that pretty much kicked it off. And, uh, it, it's just cool to hear, uh, people, you know, respond people from, you know, dirt bikes from the seventies, the eighties, all, all kinds of dirt bikes. People's first dirt bike were four fifties. And I'm like, well, you guys are nuts. <laughs> so that's one that's, uh, that really still to this day is a cool one to go watch. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just cool. Fair enough. Go check out that video, everybody. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for allowing me to hang out in your backyard while we did this. Uh, Looking forward to breaking down Hangtown in one week's time. Really appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me on, Brad. And uh, really looking forward to Hangtown next week, too. Perfect. All right, cool, man. Uh, That is solid.